Hey, Carson. Uh, yeah, let's hold off a little bit. Uh, we are going to uh, oh, rainy. Uh, I'm going to wait a little bit before I uh, give you guys the opportunity to talk. Okay. Thank you for joining in, though. Let's give uh, two more minutes. Oh, by the way, I hope the the guy Greg Slam will join me, because I got a. Hey, good morning, Amanda. Good to see you. One more minute. Okay, I'm gonna get started. Yeah, Amanda, I'm going to invite you uh, as a speaker. Uh, feel free to chime in. So, okay, I'm going to get started. Uh, good morning, everybody. And uh, sorry, today is uh, October the 2nd, 2022. And today's topic is called the FBI's Disinformation Board. Uh, we learned about this uh, Homeland Security uh, uh, conceiving a disinformation governance board, and uh, they named some person to be the director. Uh, that caused a huge uh, public uproar, and uh, it, it, eventually it was uh, ended. And uh, no one has talked about the FBI's disinformation board because never no one ever talk about uh, know about it, and no one talk about it. So today. I'm going to talk about it. I learned about this uh, maybe a month ago. Uh, the reason I waited till today is for a very good reason, is that the election is coming up. The, uh, it's November the 8th, if I'm not mistaken. It's also a very high stake election. I know if the Republican wins the, either the House or the Senate, they are going to investigate a whole bunch of Joe Biden's wins. So at the same time, uh, if uh, the, we, the Democrats win, there will be a very severe pushback, I believe, from those MAGA people, I'm pretty sure. They will be claiming the election is rigged once again. So today is a very appropriate day to talk about the disinformation board. So before I do that, I want to quickly do a response to this uh, Greg's question in my last episode. 
about the United Nations and the judicial white privilege. Uh, Greg is by, considered by many as a troll. Uh, I kind of disagree because uh, he always posed some interesting questions. So he asked me when the India is uh, the founding member of the United Nations back in 1947 or 45, I think it's 47. How come I said the United Nations is just a Western Anglo-Saxon organization? So I want to respond to that. It is true there are African countries, other Asian countries, are the founding members of the United Nations back then. But remember this, using India as an example. India has a very interesting role in the colonial rule of the world by the Anglo-Saxon nations, okay? India both is, as we all know, India is some, uh, in the past, Pakistan, Bangladesh, are called the British Raj, R-A-J. So they are victims of colonialism, but at the same time, as you might not know, India is all a participant of the colonial rulings of other countries. That include Africa, that include Vietnam, and some other countries. Second is this, I'm not against India. India these days, nowadays, are demanding that they be ac accepted to be member of the permanent member of the Security Council. They are not. The only five permanent member of the Security Council is uh, three Anglo-Saxon countries, oh, no, no, sorry, France, uh, Brit Britain, UA uh, United States, Russia, and China. Okay, so, so I, the per, being the permanent member of the Security Council is super important. It's like being the, uh, the Supreme Court, governing the lower courts. Okay, so that permanent membership is kind of, uh, you know, formed this uh, highest level of the forum in the UN about world security and world peace. And like I said, that is a white majoritarian council. For the longest time, until recently, literally until recently, Putin made a speech just a couple of days ago, where he formally denounced the Anglo-Saxon order of the world. This white majoritarian council called the UN Security Council is pretty much ruled by these major colonial powers. Just think, think about it. The Security Council it has never made a peace treaty, ever. Let me repeat, the Security Council of the United Nations has never made a one peace treaty. But it has enabled a number of wars. Off the hand, I know from the get-go in the 1950, the Security Council authorized the Korean War. So in other words, the, in the Korean War, the Chinese People's Liberation, uh, Chinese Volunteer Army, literally is fighting not with the United States, it's fighting with the United Nations. And we all know, more recently, the war in Syria and uh, I think uh, some other countries, 
these are all sanctioned by the this uh, UN Security Council. So again, they made a lot of wars, but they have never made one single peace treaty as far as I know. So that is my response to Greg's question. I want to do some news update. So quite a number of news, they're all related to judiciary courts. First, ICC, which stands for International Criminal Court, is complaining that Russia is not cooperating with their prosecutor. Okay, that's on France 24 and many, many Western media. This is another typical judicial white privilege because ICC has no jurisdiction over Russia. There's no international law that give ICC jurisdiction over any war crimes. As this great American patriot Scott Ritter has said, ICC is literally a white man's court sitting in Europe and adjudicating war crime matters have happened in African countries. So it's a total joke, according to Scott Ritter. Among all the wars happening today and in the past, it's because we do not have a global justice system and we have to deal with it. Okay, the ICC, the International Criminal Court, does not have a jurisdiction over Russia. Just like what I said, jurisdiction is always the first question to ask. I've said already, in today's world, the court is a mess. The Supreme Court, our Supreme Court, does not have the original jurisdiction over the leaker's crime. The leaker who leaked the Dobbs decision draft. Even if he or she commit a crime, the U.S. Supreme Court does not have the original jurisdiction, but they go ahead and did it anyway. So I cannot blame too much on the ICC court. Another related news is that the U.S. Supreme Court is about to reopen its new session, and the justice continue to accuse each other. This is just a scene I enjoy watching, okay? First of all, Justice Breyer was on CNN, I think with a, is Jay Tapper or another person, I forgot. He is lamenting about the Dobbs decision and he's emotionally upset. And, uh, but like I said, the court is always been a political tool. So you should not come surprised. So I hope Justice Breyer will relax a little bit. Another, in another situation is that the Justice uh, Elaine Kagan continued to criticize the majority in the Dobbs decision, accusing them being damaging the legitimacy of the U.S. Supreme Court. I believe she's right. And the third news I want to share is this. It's about the student debt relief. Uh, the, a few states, uh, Republican states, I believe, has filed a lawsuit against that student relief, uh, debt relief. That's what I totally expected. That's what I always said. Whether you believe in communism, socialism, or capitalism, you're still going to have a court. You're still going to have a judiciary to adjudicate 
controversies. Okay, a communist society is not like everything is kumbaya. There will be no conflicts among people, among companies, among communities. You are going to need a court to adjudicate things. In a capitalist society, there's a whole lot more controversies. You need a court to adjudicate. Why we do that, need to do that? Because we need to maintain justice and to maintain peace, right? So back to the student relief, uh, student debt relief. Like I said before, the only authority, the only branch of government to have the authority to offer relief to the student debt is the Congress, not the president. The president did it anyway for the political reason. He's now being challenged, and I totally expect that his student debt relief will be entirely defeated. You know, don't count your money yet. I can be wrong, but that's my prediction. The fourth news is that Edward Snowden is getting the Russian citizenship. That troubles me greatly, because I always felt this, the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, gave all U.S. citizens the unalienable rights of a citizenship of the United States. In no way, shape, or form, the government can take away Edward Snowden's passport. In no shape and form, the government of the United States can take away his citizenship. Edward Snowden demanded that he receive a fair trial as a condition for him to return to the United States. Unfortunately, our government cannot even offer that promise that Edward Snowden will get a fair trial. That is very sad. One of the things I'm going to talk about, the disinformation work, is about Edward Snowden. In fact, I just say it more precisely, is about suppressing the NSA's illegal activities that eventually led to the Edward Snowden's coming out. The fifth news is this. Dershowitz, Alan Dershowitz, this uh, famous attorney, he is now representing this uh, my pillow guy, Mike Lindell. Mike Lindell is being investigated by the FBI for, for lack of a better expression, disinformation activities about the elections, about something else. Okay, so why I want to bring it up? Because later on you will see. The government is treating this so-called disinformation thing as a national security threat. That's why the FBI is rounding up people who have a disagreement with the government, including Mike Lindell. I'm not a big fan of him. Mike Lindell is just like Donald Trump. He's a showman, showboat, great marketer. Okay? But he's saying nonsense. But I respect the fact that he has rights under the First Amendment to disagree, to say whatever he wants to say. So that's why Alan Dershowitz, this very famous attorney, is representing Mike Landell. But here's the sad part. Here is the sad part. Of course, it's good for Mike Landell. And he, Landell is trying to raise a lot of money 
because Alan Dershowitz is not cheap. Here's a sad part. What about this uh, African People's Socialist Party chairman, Yashtela? Their office, their home was raided, right? Oh, Bill, I'll, uh, give me a few minutes. Let me finish the uh, news update, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk. What about this uh, chairman, Yashitala? He is the head of a organization, just like Trump is the head of the Trump organization. He was raided. He's unhappy with the government. Who represents Yashitala? This is why I said, even under the same constitution, our legal system is fundamentally discriminatory against the racial minorities. Alan Dershowitz, first and foremost, is a capitalist. He's out there making a buck for himself, not advocating equal justice. All the, your local bar associations are trade associations of illegal profiteers. Under the same principle, under the same law, under the same statute, under the same constitution, under the same amendments. If you are a racial minority, good luck. The last piece of the news I want to talk about is this Trump judge, Judge Cannon, ruled once more for Trump's favor which I love it. I may disagree or agree with her. That's not, a, that's not the point. The point is this, as I said before, Myrick Garland committed the worst professional misjudgment in raiding Mar-a-Lago. Because all Trump needed is not a judge, which he, or a favorable judge, that favorable to him, which he already got. All Trump needed is a sympathetic juror. No, I don't think any reasonable juror will convict Trump under the Espionage Act, period. Whatever those little details for the less severe crimes, it's like putting OJ to a jury trial in LA. You have to think about what's your chance to convict Trump after this Mar-a-Lago raid. I love it. This, this judge's decision is this. It demonstrated to the world that the American justice, justice system is a political tool for oppression. If you have the political connection, in this case, in Trump's case, after all, he appointed this judge, you will get favorable rulings. The whole legal system is a political tool. So, so that's my news update. I'm going to take uh, Bill, uh, see what he has to say. Go ahead, Bill. Are you there, Bill? I like a, I like a, I like a. Until he finished, now let me see the. Okay, uh, the troll, so it's okay. I'm going to move on to the introduction. The introduction about this uh, is uh, 
is uh, just basically I want to share with all of you how did I come up with this uh, FBI this information board. First of all, there are different boards in the federal agencies. I'm going to use the CDC as an example, and I can use the EPA as an example, and I can use the NOAA, I believe it's the weather agency as an example. Among these federal agencies, you have a trained, certified experts in different areas of expertise, being in infectious disease, being in environmental protection, and being in the climate and weather studies. These people will give you warnings, advisory opinions on infectious disease, environmental impact, and dangerous weather conditions, right? They are regulated. They, they probably have internal debate. Whatever decision they are making, it's up for the public debate. You can have a, you know, third party independent experts to validate what you're talking about. That's okay. They have their board. But what about a government have a board about disinformation? So you think, does the government really have that? Well, guess what? The Homeland Security did try to establish that. It's almost like the Homeland Security is part of this so-called National Security Authority, deep state, intelligence communities, right? If one agency wanted to do this, you can imagine that other agencies may have already done it or thinking about doing it. So as it turns out, I find out that FBI has its own disinformation board already. How do I know that? I will start with this. If you guys have a computer right now and Google this, China Initiative, and put a last name in it called Olsen, O-L-S-E-N, you will be led to a Justice Department's webpage, a speech made by Assistant Attorney General Matthew Olsen, delivering remarks countering nation state threats. I'm gonna read a section of his remarks. We will use all the legal tools in our arsenal to combat these threats. These are so-called nation foreign threats. This includes prosecuting state agents for espionage, hacking campaigns against our government and the private sectors, and the repressing of critics. Here's the catch. The lastly, they said this, as well as efforts to manipulate public discourse in the United States. So in other words, if a foreign government, for real or not, is somehow in agreement or encouraged or influenced American citizens' disagreement with the U.S. government, that, be, that can be considered a nation-state threat. That's a national security matter. I'll read another paragraph. In addition to our criminal enforcement work, NSD, which stands for National Security Division, will use our civil and administrative tools to mitigate threats from foreign investment activities and foreign interests that seek to secretly influence public opinion in the United States. 
So the key is this. If someone's from outside of this country is trying to influence the public opinion of the United States, that is a national security threat. So that's from the National Security Division. So this is, this set the legal background. This is what the DOJ doing when it comes to national security operations. So how do I know the FBI already has a disinformation board? That comes from August 26, when uh, Mark Zuckerberg first disclosed that the FBI did contact them about so-called disinformation. Okay, keep what I just said in mind. And even though the government did not specifically say, don't publish anything about Hunter Biden, but Zuckerberg did said they were told the FBI to be watch on the watch out for these uh, foreign threats. I, actually, I think the FBI literally told them what are those foreign threats. So I'm going to read about what the NBC News, a respected organization, quoted the FBI saying. FBI issued a response after Mark Zuckerberg's disclosure. The FBI, so I'm going to read that NBC News articles, okay? The Facebook co-founder said, the FBI is a, quote, legitimate institute, unquote, and that the warning, the warning from FBI, prompted him to take that seriously, unquote. So what Zuckerberg is saying, we treated the FBI as a legitimate institution. We take the warnings given by the FBI seriously. If that's the case, it means that the, 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 the Facebook did take into account when moderating their content, right? Then in the statement Friday night, the FBI said it has provided the companies with a foreign threat indicators, unquote. Quote, foreign threat indicator. So FBI do provide these companies with a list of a foreign threat indicators to help protect their platforms and customers. But here comes the FBI's plausible deniability. But it cannot ask or direct companies to take action on information received. This is FBI's statement. This denial is actually fruitless because Mark Zuckerberg has already said that if FBI is viewed as a, quote, legitimate institution, unquote, and for Mark Zuckerberg, he has to take that warning seriously, meaning they do things according to the FBI's warning. Again, this is an NBC News article. In 2018, Two third-party reports prepared for the U.S. Senate found that Russia used Facebook during the 2016 election to help Trump and her Hillary Clinton, the Democratic nominee, in part by inflaming right-wing conspiracy theories and sowing distrust among Black Americans. So if you said something about the treatment of Black Americans 
if you see say something sympathetic to the MAGA people, you are considered a threat. So that explained also the recent raid of the African People's Socialist Party, right? Uh, in my show, I already said that raid is coordinated with a indictment of a Russian citizen living in Russia, which is a case goes nowhere because you, you cannot get a hold of this guy. Here comes the smoking gun that I believe, you know, there's already a squad, a disinformation squad or dis disinformation board in, within the FBI. Quote, the FBI, this is the FBI's statement. Quote, the FBI routinely, remember the word routinely, notified US private sector entities, including social media providers of potential threat information so that they can decide how to better defend against threats, end quote, the agency said. This is the quote that from the FBI directly. They admit they have a routine to gather, to tabulate, and to come up with this so-called uh, foreign threat indicators. And they will have a squad of people maybe physically visiting these private companies, Mark Zuckerberg's underlings, or probably have a Zoom conference with them routinely. Remember, this is a routine. It's not a one-time deal. Show them these are the foreign threat indicators. You have to treat us as a legitimate institution and you have to take these seriously. Otherwise, you will be considered unpatriotic, right? So the question is this, what is this routine? Who operates this routine? Who are the individuals behind these routines? Who operate them on a day-to-day -day basis? The most important thing, what are their credentials? Is there a PhD in disinformation? I know there's a PhD in infectious disease, like Dr. Fauci. Again, I'm not defending Dr. Fauci here, but I am saying CDC has the authority and expertise to run a board, advisory board on infectious disease, right? But the FBI, who is, hold on a second, someone's knocking on my door. My apologies. Maybe it's FBI. Sorry, this is our marketers shouting something. So, in in the next segment, I actually invite some call uh, some uh, listeners here to form a FBI disinformation squad. You do not need a special credentials, okay? Unlike a Dr. Fauci, if you work for CDC, you actually need a you know a degree in that. And uh, for the for the informa disinformation squad which basically is looking over the internet, right? Find out these are the threats. And uh, you know, these are, I'm gonna make some people, I'm gonna form an FBI disinformation squad or board or whatever you call it. And I'm gonna invite William also.
And let's let's run through a scenario. Okay, I'm going to use Amanda as the victim here. Amanda, being a woman, I'm going to make you a victim. Okay. Oh, so, I'm already a victim, Peter. Come on. I know, I know. Amanda runs a social media pl platform called the uh, Teachers Paradise. Nonsense, okay? Amanda. You're not a victim. You're a survivor. Okay. Oh, okay. Thank so, you so much. That makes me feel so much better. But let's let Peter get back to but, his point. Sure. So, so basically, Amanda is those social platform uh, uh, operators. Okay. She control, uh, like, say, what? Uh, 400,000 teachers, and she's in some controversial works uh, like a CRT, critical race theory, and all that other stuff, right? Now, I'm not taking sides here, but I do know she's a very, she's, a, she, you know, she's like a Mark Zuckerberg in the, in the teachers, you know, oh, sure. in the, for sure, right? Yeah, right? So the election is coming up. Now here, I, you know, I will be the legal person behind the FBI, this information board, okay? So I'm going to appoint absolutely to be, you know, one of the member of the disinformation squad, and William also being that. So we have a job. So basically, we have seen a posting in a EU social media platform that United States is secretly sending two hundred billion dollar worth of military equipment to Ukraine to fight the war. I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm for it or against it, but we believe this is a, you know, a, this you know we believe if this come out, it'd be very bad for the Democrats. I'm just show this example, very bad for Biden. So I'm the FBI top brass, and I I organize this uh, disinformation squad. I need William and absolutely to convince Amanda that do not publish that information because Amanda's group has always demanding more resources, federal resources for our education. And if this news come up, it's a very bad news for the Democrats. They are already in bad shape because of the economy. We have to stop this, right? Don't ask me why, but I'm just saying this is a foreign threat because uh, Mr. Matthew Olson already said, we need to be mindful of these foreign forces trying to, you know, influence public opinion in the U.S. and all that. So, William and Absolute, please, you know, pretending that we are meeting with Amanda, and have a conversation with her, and trying to converse her and say, these are a list of uh, foreign threat indicators. Let's try to convince her why she should not publish this threat. Oh. Well, uh, Amanda, you know, uh, I represent Big Brother. <laughs> Uncle Sam. <laughs> and we got your number, sister. And you know, uh, <laughs> what can I say? Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> I don't mean to make light remember, of this, Peter. Sir, remember, this is a routine, our routine activity. This is your job, okay? You do this day in, day out, okay? You read the internet postings, you decide. We, we never ask you what's your credential, but you have the authority. Please try to convince her. Yeah, well, you know, like I, I like to imitate uh, Don Carleone here, one of his strongmen. 
All <laughs> right. Go ahead. What do you think that the government would tell me to try to get me to not publish something? What do I think they would? Yeah. Like, what would they actually do? How would you actually, like, if you worked for the FBI? Yeah. And let's say I'm about to publish, I don't know, something about Hunter Biden. How are you going to talk me out of that? I, I hear you. Uh, well, I can tell you what they did to me. They arrested me for harassment four times. Never mind. Uh, that was so local would, municipal. So would you me with arrest if I did it? Would that be your first step? Well, uh, let me tell you, I got knocks on the door and uh, multiple times from municipal and state police. So imagine the FBI never visited me. But, um, you know, it was like, uh, you know, you got a lot of documents here that uh, that you've been spreading around and uh, a, lot, a lot of them, you know, the thick stack of papers here. I'm literally parroting what was said to me more or less. Uh, yeah, what's your point? <laughs> you know, um, I don't want to make light of the spirit. I'm just having lived through it multiple times from law enforcement, um, everything but the FBI. Uh, I, uh, the tactics they use are try to intimidate, try to infer that uh, I got to speak in the first person. Uh, you know, putting this information out there, man, that could cause some security risks that uh, we don't want to see happen. And um, we don't want to see you get implicated in, uh, I don't know, giving us potential grounds to arrest you on the Patriot Act as uh, uh, someone who's causing a security threat here. So we'd like to see you uh, reconsider uh, and perhaps pivot and uh, come up with uh, something more positive. <laughs> pretty good, William. I have to tell you, it's pretty good. Uh, actually, I, uh, I want to wait for uh, absolutely to do that, and I'm going to ex expand what William said already. But uh, go ahead, William, finish your thoughts. Uh, finish your persuasion with Amanda. Um, I'm thinking of... Um, and... Um, you know, uh, the things can happen, and uh, we want to make sure you stay safe, you know, and we want to make sure your pets and your uh, family members stay safe, and no harm comes to them. So uh, can consider that uh, uh, our we have your best interest in mind, if you know what I mean. Very good. Very good, William. Go ahead, obsolete. You want to you want to chime in and try to convince Amanda? All right, good cop routine's over. Now it's time for the bad cop. If you release this shit, we're gonna put you in jail for the rest of your life, and that's all there is to it. So very good, obsolete. It's so good. So I'm going to combine the two guys' input and uh, trying to give this, uh, you know, the ultimate speech to Amanda. Hopefully, again, Amanda operates a social media platform. Her company is covered under this so-called Section 3230 that pretty much protect the social media company to moderate the content, to cancel users' content and all that, right? So I'm going to say, hey, Amanda, our democracy is under threat by the foreign forces. 
we know you are a patriot. You love this country, right? Here we have a information saying the U.S. government is sending $200 billion to the Ukraine in, in, in arms and equipment. These are the Russian disinformation. They try to approach you because they know you as a teacher's advocate demanded more federal resources. They are, you are our weakest link in our national defense system. We want to protect our democracy. Right? Our government has protect, our Congress has protect you to cancel your customers, to suppress the contents. We are aware of this First Amendment rights, but guess what? The Congress has acted to protect you. Under these circumstances, we sincerely hope you will treat us, the FBI, as a legitimate institution, and you treat our warnings, which we, we, to, we, to, uh, we to, routinely do with a highly trained, highly experienced professionals in our organization to come up with these uh, foreign threat indicators. So I, we hope you will follow your duty as American citizen to protect this country and not to be considered a traitor. And uh, by the way, we are very aware of your other initiative trying to get better resources for our schools. If you follow our advisories, advice here, we will give you more favorable consideration for what you are trying to do for your organization. So Amanda, would you please consider not to post this particular fake news in your social media platform? I'll take it under advisement. I'm going to speak to my attorney because I believe I have free speech laws under the First Amendment. And I'm not going to unpublish something that's already been published, especially because I have evidence that it's actually not fake news because I have the information from Congress about how much they passed for the budget. Go ahead and threaten me. I might take it down. Give me a night to think it over. But think over what you've said to my attorney. That's how I would respond. Excellent. So this little exercise I'm doing, exercise I'm doing is very simple. So the right or wrong is being. We're not trying to judge whether this is right and wrong. What I'm trying to illustrate is that the FBI already admitted they have a routine to go around. So that is a disinformation squad. There will be a board of determining, determining which are the foreign threats, which are not. Now, who got to decide that? They don't need a specific credential. To, to whom they are actually the most important thing is that to whom they are held accountable. To whom they are held accountable? Nobody. Right? Like I said before, the national security administrative state of national security, you can call them deep state, you know, for the purpose of just give a short name. They are entirely above the laws and regulations. 
And that's what's happening. Hey, Peter, and, I have a question for you. I'm go curious. Ahead. You know, um, Biden a couple months ago tried to make that in disinformation council or whatever it was that he was trying to do. And and this seems like a, a similar thing. Do you think that he might have been trying to put more sunlight on what the FBI was doing in this regard? Great question. What shocked me really is this. Uh, because in uh, when, I, uh, when I'm ending today's episode, I'm going to talk about this uh, uh, law professor's uh, publication in 2018 during the Trump Russia Gate stuff. Okay. What I shock is this. I always consider Joe Biden a closet racist. Okay. There's no difference between two parties when it comes to civil liberty. Remember, it's George W. Bush who started the Patriot Act and all that, right? Remember, when the Republican lawmakers complaining about the social media cancel, they are posting whatever, they say whatever. But it is the lawmakers who made this a section 230, that giving the corporation the rights to limit, suppress First Amendment rights, right? So going back to your question, Amanda, is that Joe Biden, I do not have a lot of uh, expectation out of him simply because of his age. Uh, I do not treat his uh, fragile uh, behavior as a, I think it will be cruel uh, for me to, you know, to draw pleasure from an old man's uh, old age, right? But I have read this DOJ National Security Division's publication saying, we are going after activities that are creating uh, public discourse in America. As a since when the National Security Division can interfere with the public opinions, right? I'm I'm showing this example like uh, my update has said. There's a calling app, YouTube, uh, Twitter. They provide a very good platform for alternative media because no one can trust so, uh, the, the mainstream media anymore. They are profit-seeking corporation medias, right? Giving an example, one good example, this guy, uh, Jackson Hinkle, uh, 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 he's based in California on YouTube. Now, he's just as handsome as Tucker Carlson. I find out he can be more interesting, more popular than Tucker Carlson, but he will not be hired by Fox News. Right, so I, I, but, but he can be sanctioned by YouTube with immunity and all that. So I actually believe Biden is never sincere when it comes to civil liberty. He's never sincere when it comes to racial equality. And so I hope, you know, uh, and, uh, and I don't think whatever he's saying is more of a politicking, uh, 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 election season kind of a gimmicks. Like I always said, you know, the fact that Nancy Pelosi visit Taiwan is really for the domestic politics, not for international ones. And, uh, and uh, so I hope I answer your question in that regard. So now we know how these board does has a routine, you know, because there's a routine, then there will be a group of people in which we do not know what's their credential, 
what exactly is the criteria they use to determine these things, and what's, whether they're accountable or not, right? So what I'm alleging here is very, very accurate because I know CIA on a daily basis has a routine to evaluate all threats, military and other stuff, and to tabulate those threats and give it to, a, to the president on a daily basis. It's the president's job to read those foreign threats. But they imagine there's an FBI squad aboard to do the same thing, but it's more on the social media or the public opinion arena where the National Security Division of the DOJ actually saying, yes, we are behind it, that we're going to, and we're, you know, we're going to go after people who are tangentially associated with a foreigner when they voice opinions against the government of the United States. So that's my main illustration about it. Can I ask a question? I don't know if you know the answer to. Um, if So if this were me and the FBI did come knock on my door and I did, you know, say, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to think about it. I mean, what recourse would I have? And if they if they decided they were going to do the things that they threatened to do, I mean, what protections and or resources exist to protect me from a rogue department? Great question, uh, Amanda, because I was earlier on uh, William's show about uh, how corporate ruled the entire world. Uh, so I brought up this example where the AT&T literally built a room of uh, wires and cables copying or surveilling the telecommunications that cross its wires for the government. So to me is uh, that, I hope uh, I answer your question is that the government always can make deals with you. The government can always make deals with the private sector companies. Like in AT&T's case, oh, they will say, okay, the government will say, well, okay, we're actually doing something well beyond what you do. Therefore, we are going to be giving you a favor, a more favorable decision when we negotiate our contract, when it comes to building, uh, when, when it comes to other dealings under contract with the government. So the government can use money to entice the private company to do that, right? In Mark Zuckerberg's uh, case is that, he, the government can say, well, you're protected by this uh, section 230. So you have a no legal liability whenever you cancel anyone, suppress anyone, first. Second, we will, you know, we will give you a nice AI uh, artificial intelligence project worth a half billion dollars if you do this for us. You know, if you don't do it, well, you know, think about the future prospect of doing business with the United States government. So they can very reasonably do to use that tactics to convince Mark Zuckerberg, follow what we're saying. Any other questions? Okay, if not, then I'm going to go to the next one. So 
So in a nutshell, this is what I'm trying to say, is that yes, the FBI already have this disinformation squad. They have a team, they have a multiple teams to, to you know, to, to, to that doing this kind of work. And this is not something new either. This is the next segment I want to talk about. I want, I'll be real quick. Is that uh, this happened since the very beginning of the FBI. So I mentioned this guy's book, uh, I forgot his name, my bad, is that his book's name is Enemies uh, with uh, the History of the FBI. He talks a lot about J. Edgar Hoover. J. Edgar Hoover is first come up with this. Go ahead, William. Oh, no, I'm sorry, I had some. Okay. So uh, like I said earlier in the on William shows that this disinformation squad function is not new. This started during the war. In the Second World War, you have this war department public information. These are the information released by the Department of War about the progress in the war. While we're there to you know, garner the public support of the war efforts. Nothing wrong with that during the Second World War, right? It will do the same during the Korean War. Like I said, the Korea War is a very strange one because it's actually a United Nations war in Korea. You know, Truman called it a police action. It's, he's correct. It's a police action. The decision is made by the United Nations. The U.S. and its allies is doing a police action in Korea. So you have a lot of a war department information. You can call it propaganda or something else, whatever you want to call it. So when it comes to uh, you know Vietnam War, Vietnam War, our involvement, the U.S. involvement in Vietnam War actually started not in the 60s, but in the 1947, when the U.S. decided to give 80% of the money to support French to return to its colonial power in Vietnam. It's like here, you know, you can say we are not in the Ukraine War, the U.S., but we are giving money in the arms to Ukraine. It's the same thing there. So you have a you know war department machine about to teach the public why we are in that war, why we are winning, and yada yada yada. Right? The Korean War is the same. And the J. Edgar Hoover famously has said that there's a standing army of communists within the United States. That's what you know, that support his uh, hunting down the communists and all kinds of other stuff effort, right? That's a disinformation campaign by J. Edgar Hoover. We already have a fifth column that is inside. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, so in other words, disinformation, uh, by the way, all these, think of it, they are all under the context of a national security. Basically saying, Amanda, if you want to be secure in America, you need to follow our order. If you don't do that, you become a threat to the American democracy. You are helping the foreign. Of, uh, uh, go ahead. Speaking of national security. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. No, go ahead. Yeah. So speaking of national security, what's up with those uh, TSSCI documents Trump had in the closet of the pool room at Mar-a-Lago? I'm going to get to that. I'm going to I'm going to okay, get to good. that because uh, Trump is always uh, I have always said 
back in 2016 when he won the election. I said he will be the most entertaining president we ever had. Period. The most traitorous no president we've ever had, it seems. Yes, yes. We're going to. I'm going to touch on that. So, uh, so now I'm going to. So, so uh, and comment about not, it in the live chat. I don't know. If you care to read? That's it. all right. <laughs> sure. So, uh, so now I'm going to talk about the, uh, the MLK, Martin Luther King, which is the biggest target of J. Edgar Hoover, personally, right? I just want to say one because J. Real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Obviously, you want to say something? Dr. King was murdered by the FBI, and his family proved it in court. I read about that. I actually, in this particular book, I have to make a special trip to Memphis, Tennessee, about the killing of MLK. It's never talked about. And uh, and uh, like, a, like this guy, uh, Gerald Horn, this professor, I like him a lot because he said it well. He said, a lot of those histories about how the government oppressed racial minorities are in the archives. The problem is that historians are majority, they will not bring these documents up, which I'm prepared to do. So going back to this topic is this. The biggest fear of the FBI about MLK is this. They call it the Black Messiah, right? So they will have a, they have a pretty decent disinformation campaign against MLK. You know, basically saying, you know, MLK is the biggest liar in America, you know, talking about his uh, extramarital affairs, pack his hotel room and all those good stuff. Not only they do that, they actually will come out and leaked information about what they found. That's the disinformation campaign. All these are all in the context of a national security. Remember that. The Pentagon paper. Seen it all? Yeah, go ahead. You want to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, do you listen to Rage Against the Machine at all? No, I do not. I'm, I'm horrible, culturally speaking. I, I, I get, my job, my profession is in healthcare analytics, so I have a very boring profession. But this is only – go ahead. You, you have, there's some lyrics I should be aware of. Yeah, in the song Wake Up, there's this part in the bridge that goes – through counterintelligence, it should be possible to pinpoint potential troublemakers and neutralize them. Ah, yes. And yes. Like there's some part talking about how we should get him to. What is it? What does it say? Hold on. Let me let me uh, look it up real quick, so I don't. No problem. No problem. So while Obsolete is looking up, I'm just going to keep talking about ML, uh, not MLK. MLK itself, himself has a, you know, is a victim of disinformation campaign, right? The Pentagon paper is another one. You know, as you probably know, Nixon administration certainly don't want the Pentagon papers to be published, right? That act itself is it's called the suppression of the First Amendment rights for the public to know about this. The Pentagon Papers are highly controversial. I actually, even today, I cannot imagine how come the US Supreme Court actually sided with the New York Times saying, yes, they can publish that. Remember, at the time, 
the Vietnam War is still ongoing, right? And Let's how come the US? Are... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. You want to say Gulf something? incident, false flag. Yeah, false flag. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's another. Yeah, that, that's another thing. So the Pentagon paper, like I said, the Vietnam War actually did not. Yeah, the, the, the Gulf of Tonkin resolution actually is not the start of the U.S. involvement in Vietnam. It already started in 1947. That's actually agreed by uh, Robert McNara, because uh, Robert McNara, I actually like him a lot, that he actually vis- visited Vietnam. He had a scholarly conference with the Vietnamese uh, uh, historians talking about Vietnam War. And the first thing the Vietnamese side objected is that they don't want to start the entire exchange with the 1961. That's when McNara become the defense minister. Uh, minister. They mm-hmm. said the U.S. is involved in Vietnam in 1947. Wow. And McNara immediately agreed. He does not even bother to argue. He immediately agreed. Because from his point of view, he started as a defense minister in 1961. And the Vietnamese said, no, no, we, we know you're involved from 1947, which is, a, you know, what, 10 years ago, further than. So going back to the Pentagon paper, when New York Times need a lawyer to defend their First Amendment rights to publish Pentagon's paper, New York Times' own lawyer resigned. Let me repeat. New York Times' own lawyer resigned. That case actually is helped by a college law professor. I don't know the names. This is the first thing. Remember, I said, even facing these national security prosecutions, no lawyers will counterattack the deep state. They usually just tell the the suspect that you just wait for the government to file indictment. This is the same with the Mar-a-Lago raid, okay? They will never bother to deal with the National Security Authority because they know they have no chance. That's the case for the Pentagon's paper in New York Times. New York Times' own lawyer resigned saying the New York Times must return the secret document back to the government. Now, why the US Supreme Court sided with New York Times? It's always been a mystery to me. My tentative conclusion is this. The judges are politicians too. They don't look at just the facts of the case or the law. They actually are politicians too. They actually, the Supreme Court at that time, I think it's 1971, already knew how many soldiers, especially white soldiers, have died. They know the Vietnam War is not winnable. And they have known a lot that this whole thing started illegally. I think it's under those circumstances the Supreme Court sided with the New York Times. So suppression of the Pentagon paper is just another example of a disinformation campaign for na- in under color of national security.
Okay, it's the same thing with not to publish something on the Facebook. So I have two more example. This all, all go back to history. Wen Ho Li is a nuclear scientist. He's originally from Taiwan. Around, I think, late 1980s, the US find out somehow China has obtained a some kind of a nuclear weapon secret. They do not know who provided that. When, you know, they did investigation. So Wen Ho Li was uh, arrested and charged for downloading nuclear secret to his, uh, back then I think it's a floppy disk onto his home computers. He was uh, put into solitary confinement because the FBI wants him to admit that he provided those downloaded material to China. Okay, the guy, Ren Holy refused to admit, he said nothing like that happened. The FBI did a dis disinformation campaign. What they did is that they leaked to the New York Times that Wen Ho Li had a contact with Chinese agent. And they know for certain that Wen Ho Li did that. And they put him into solitary confinement for two years. Sheesh. Okay, so this disinformation campaign is all part of the counterintelligence operation. All right, in which the government, in this case, is the Nash deep state. You know, you can call it the later would be called the standing army. Is doing all this shit, and they can get away. The last example I want to take is actually involving Edward Snowden. Edward Snowden oh, disclosed yeah. in 2013 about the NSA surveillance. That actually is already. That by that time, it's already all the news. Yeah, because you got to the top, and you found out there's another top. It's global. Yes, that, yes. In and 2005, to Glenn Greenwald, who handed it off to Laura, the MIT Media Endowment heiress. The uh, the in 2005, the NSA surveillance already known to New York Times. They already have an article in 2005, eight years prior to Edward Snowden. They are about to publish that article. Guess what happened? They get a call from George W. Bush's White House. Yep. They invited the editor-in-chief to the White House. You know, just like what I'm going to do with Amanda earlier. They will explain to this editor-in-chief of the New York Times, Wow, this whole thing is because of 9-11 that happened mo mostly in New York City, the Twin Towers. The government have a need to surveil, right? The government have a need to surveil. If you publish this article, right, the blood is on your hand, mm -hmm. right? Is that a right. disinformation campaign? It is. It's just operates slightly different. This time we will call in this uh, mainstream media company and give them a talk, right? Guess what? Like I said earlier, the corporate media, the mainstream media, they are for profit themselves. Yep. They like wars, more wars, more death, more money, wars more bloodshed. Whoa, good for business, right? 
That's why the New York Times actually agreed in 2005 not to publish the NSA, which matched to exactly what they think about during the Pentagon paper. Again, the New York Times- We were in the heart of the Afghanistan war and the Iraq war. Yeah, and guess what? Invasions and the International Court of Justice condemned us for those crimes. And we basically said, fuck you, we do what we want. Yep. Sorry for my language. that this is the disinformation squad operation, no matter no whatever you want to call it. The funny part is this: the the DOJ's National Security Division and the FBI literally have admitted they do have a routine operation to control the public discourse. And, CIA and guess too. what? We we yeah, CIA is now we are heading into election again. Right. So this is what I want to explain to folks is that, yes, there is already a disinformation board within the FBI because it's part of the tradition. Yep. It's part of the tradition. It's all power of national security and the wars. So with that said, I'm just going to conclude by reading the abstract of this legal paper written by Justin Walker. Justin Walker is an assistant professor back in 2018 in University of Louisville Brandeis School of Law. I did not even read the whole article. I, I'm just gonna read the abstract. I find out it's a very interesting subject because I have always said the deep state is bad for civil liberties, period. Okay, I'm not a Trump fan, like I said always. You know, I think mm-hmm. uh, obviously you want to you want to talk about Malalago later, but but I'm just saying this: yeah. all these uh, Malalago. I'm sorry. And I want to say a quote too. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it's in relation to this whole disinformation thing. Back in 1981, CIA Director William Casey is on record saying, "We will know our disinformation campaign is complete when everything the American public believes is false." There you go. And there also, I found that lyric I was looking for talking about, I don't know if it's talking about MLK or possibly Malcolm X, but it goes, he may be a brave contender for this position, but should he abandon the white liberal doctrine of nonviolence and embrace black nationalism through counterintelligence, it should be possible to pinpoint potential troublemakers and neutralize them. That's nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I want to. Go ahead, Amanda. Go ahead. Oh, I, Go ahead. I, you said you weren't sure whether that was Malcolm X or MLK. I think it was Malcolm X talking about MLK just based on the content, but I could yeah. be wrong. You know, so so I have always said the the FBI counterintelligence is not a law enforcement agency because for a law enforcement agency, you actually have to wait for a crime to happen. You have to actually wait a murder, a abduction to happen, a sexual assault. Then you go after the criminal by analyzing what happened and track down. The counterintelligence, if someone says something bad about the US government, the counterintelligence can literally just uh, hire a informant. Say they can hire an informant from China saying, hey, 
uh, I believe Peter is uh, a spy for China. The informant hmm. can make such lies, just like a Christopher Steele can make up all kinds of lies. And then the government, the counterintelligence can use that to establish an investigation. Right? Since when we actually allowed to do that? So Amanda asked me about Joe Biden. To me, it seems to me Joe Biden could be even worse than Trump when it comes to civil liberty. Because after all, oh, yeah. it's, it's his Joe DOJ Biden. is saying, oh yeah, this is another, yeah, that's another question. It's another topic for another day. Yes. So, so, you know, I just want to, you know, share this. So now let's go back to this uh, professor's uh, uh, he, uh, he, he, his, uh, his opinion, which I partially agree and partially disagree. Okay. So he basically, this is the abstract of his entire article. The, the, the title of the article is this FBI independence as a threat to civil liberties and analog to civilian control of the military. That's the entire title. Let me do it again, it's important. Because what he said is similar to what I have said. FBI independence as a threat to civil liberty, an analog to civil control, civilian control of the military. I have said it in my past episodes, I believe after the Korematsu decision in support of internment of Japanese Americans, the court has established the actually abolished the civilian control of the military. Meaning the court will stay way back and let allow the military authority, counterintelligence agencies to do whatever they do with the domestic inhabitants of this country. So this guy's uh, article, the title is pretty good. So I'm gonna read his abstract. At a time when the president, Trump, is under investigation, and in the wake of a controversial dismissal of the FBI director, the need for an, quote, independent, unquote, FBI has appeared to many to be more important than ever. Indeed, the Senate would not have confirmed the new FBI director, Christopher Wray, if he if had not promised to be independent of the president and the attorney general. This article argues that calls for an independent FBI are misguided and dangerous. The article analogizes analogizes presidential control of the FBI to the civilian control of the military by demonstrating that contrary to conventional wisdom, the FBI and the military share the same purpose. It then explored in depth how the FBI has often infringed upon civil liberties in the same way that the framer worried an out of control military might do so. And it explains why the independence that the FBI has often enjoyed was a cause of those violations. Finally, it includes that it concludes that if it is necessary to preserve the FBI's investigative independence, 
the solution is to split the FBI to reflect the model of many Western democracy, creating an independent agency to investigate crime like Britain's new Scotland Yard, and a separate agency to continue the FBI's national security functions like Britain's MI4. I like, you know, I like the perspective. I like the fact this law professor actually saying very similar things. My conclusion is somewhat different from his. I actually just believe that the, the counterintelligence, when you're dealing with a domestic target, you are not above the law. You still have to do things according to the constitution. You know, we already have this FISA court. Yeah, they said like FISA court approves like 99% of the FISA application, meaning surveil people without they knowing about it. I thought FISA court is already a rubber stamp for the national security, for the counterintelligence. Why we need the regular court, such as the district court in Southern Florida, to sign those search affidavit for national security cases. If we do believe Trump is a Russia spy collecting nuclear secrets and the violation of espionage, meaning he spies for a foreign threat, why don't you just go to Pfizer? Why don't you just get a rubber stamp? Let's surveil the hell out of the Mar-a-Lago. Why you need to do this uh, pretending to do it legally? It's not legal. So that is what, what, what I want to talk about. So think about it. FBI did, in my opinion, in my past episode I said already, has influenced the election outcome of 2016. You, not all of you is listening to my prior episode. I have said already. The FBI have no business, the James Comey has no business to dismiss Hillary Clinton's email cases, email server cases. Had the FBI followed the law, Joe Biden would have run for the president in 2016 and likely would have defeated Donald Trump to start with. But once again, it's the absolute discretion to these counterintelligence bureaucrats, to who to prosecute, who not to, who to investigate, to whom not to investigate, to what pop, uh, uh, news to be posted on Facebook and what not to. They control the American democracy. That's a very Trump stuff. So with that, no, that's the end of today's episode. So anyone want to chime in? Uh, Greg, I'm hesitate, but I will have to allow you to talk because you did uh, post something interesting. Go ahead, Greg. Oh, I was just wondering, uh, I came in late, Amanda, uh, what, what did Amanda post that you wanted her to take down? I can't hear Amanda. Amanda, uh, you probably need to adjust your your volume is very low, Amanda. How about now? 
Good, there perfect. Okay. It was a hypothetical. I haven't posted anything that the FBI would come after me for that I know of, but it was a hypothetical. Well, what was it that was fake news, as Peter said? What was, was about it was fake news as... Um, it was about, he was, it was just a fake example. Right, Peter? Correct. So we are, uh, Greg, we are uh, pretending that there is a posting, Facebook posting, say, in Europe, that the U.S. government has secretly authorized a, a $200 billion additional arms and the equipment to Ukraine. And uh, if this come up prior to the election, a lot of teachers will be upset. That's where Amanda's group advocates for. And uh, this, by the FBI's counterintelligence operation, is considered fake news. So the FBI approach to Amanda, who's a operator of a social media platform, not to post that news. That's a hypothetical. Um, Peter, I just want to um, chime in and say that if you ever want to, um, it's it's way too long and you're ending the episode, but uh, as an elected official in a, in a town that had some very contentious water issues, I have some firsthand experience with, with people putting information out that I knew firsthand was not correct, and it was causing problems with us being able to get the things done for the community we wanted to get done. And I'm happy to talk about being on the other side of this, where you see something that you know for a fact is, is misinformation, because I know the information. <laughs> and, and if you ever want to hear it from that side of it, it it's kind of an interesting, um, different type of perspective than usually is heard. That's all. I'd like to Oh, yeah. That. Go ahead, Amanda, <laughs> if, uh, if you are comfortable talking about it. Oh, I am comfortable, but I don't want to do it right now because your show is already coming to a close and it really is kind of a longer story to be able to understand. And I haven't really told it that way, so it will be long, I can guarantee. So maybe at another time, I would be more than happy to. Absolutely. Thank you. Perhaps. So Peter, you mentioned uh, the funding for Ukraine. Do you uh, support the Russian invasion of Ukraine? No, I do not. I, I'm against the wars, all wars. One of the episodes of my uh, uh, show is going to talk about the civil war in America because the uh, current situation, in my last episode, I already said, if there were a global justice system, we can all civilly and legally discuss the rights for people to secede from a nation, a country or join a nation, right? So that covers Taiwan, Hong Kong, Ukraine, uh, Hawaii, uh, 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 Puerto Rico, uh, 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 you know, so many uh, uh, situations, right? But the unfortunate thing is this, we do not have a global justice system. Therefore, we have the ultimate form of violence. It's called a war. It's like a, a inner city shootings in Chicago. I'm not blaming black people shooting black people. I'm blaming the failure of the U.S. government to have a functional justice system 
so people can resolve their grievances peacefully. I'm blaming because cops the, shooting black people. Like I said, the cop can shoot black people because they have a so-called qualified immunity, given yeah. not by a law, but by the court. Yeah. So, uh, because William wants to talk, so I want to invite uh, William as well. Just in case that anyone's listening, um, the, your, the premise of your argument is false. There's no succession movement in Ukraine. They voted overwhelmingly to split from Russia after the collapse of the USSR. It was over 95% across Ukraine. They're a sovereign nation and they want to be sovereign. And Russia has invaded them against all norms of international law and conducted a genocidal war against Ukraine. And that's why I'm so glad that so many countries all across Europe, Western Europe, Central Europe, United States, Canada, oh, so many countries are supporting Ukraine. And thank God, and those HIMARS are working great. And the United States just doubled the amount of HIMARS to Ukraine. It's so great. And you're Ukraine welcome. Just, thank you. And Ukraine just um, took over the key city of Donetsk on the day after Russia <laughs> and Putin claimed it was Russian territory. It's hilarious. Uh, Russia's in the last slow collapse. 200,000 people have left Russia in the last 10 days after Putin announced his mobilization draft. And it's just amazing oh, draft what's going go. on. Yeah, thank yeah. God. I mean, so great. And people so, are so, voting with their feet. People are voting with their feet in Russia. 200,000. Oh, my God. That's like a 20-mile traffic jam getting out of Russia just to go to Georgia. It's amazing and really shows what's going on inside of Russia and outside and what a horrible mess. Is Georgia equipped to handle all these refugees? Excuse me. So, so uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, I don't mean to cut you guys short because uh, these are international affairs, right? We, I definitely will be happy to join, say, uh, you know, some of those uh, geopolitical uh, shows to, you know, but if, my point is this, in this episode is this, whatever Greg just talked about, or obsolete has talked about. These are within your First Amendment rights. These are entirely permissible in any social media platform. Damn straight. And it is very very concerning for me is that the FBI actually have claimed that they have a routine. It's their work. They have a routine to filter out this they call the foreign threat indicator. And gave it to this social media platform saying, here's the, our guideline, follow it. They will not tell you who provide this guideline and the what law based on what and to whom they are accounted for. That's my problem, right? So again, uh, let me take uh, uh, William as the last caller and then we'll uh, call it a day. Hello, Peter and everybody, Amanda. Well, I apologize for the interruption earlier. I had someone come to the door. I didn't realize the speaker was on. Anyway, um, <laughs> happens. Um, okay. Well, on 9-11, I know we're running out of time. I would just suggest people consider Susan Lindauer and the book Extreme Prejudice. Um, or you, she does uh, videos, uh, YouTube. I don't believe they've taken I haven't watched them in a while, but um, 
And rather than me tell the story, I think that would be very revealing. She spent a year in prison. She uh, finally got out. She claimed she was CIA back channel to Iraq, just to give you a thumbnail version. And uh, that they had no weapons of mass destruction. They were trying to cooperate with her government, but it went sideways, as we know. And she that's her story in a thumbnail version. So that's domestic, obviously. Um, the other thing is, Peter, I appreciate what you're doing. And I just want to clarify, the police, law enforcement, can claim they have probable cause for an arrest and that there's a crime committed, but we're all innocent until proven guilty. And unfortunately, the Patriot Act circumvents that. And uh, yes. you're not allowed no, to present evidence. Mm -hmm. You can mm -hmm. be in prison extended period like Susan Landauer was. And you mm -hmm. know I've had my own personal experience, even with the FBI and DOJ, that um, I don't need to go into right now. You've heard it. A lot of people call and has. So it's upsetting to me that we have law enforcement on that level covering up for many crimes of child abuse by Catholic Church and Mormon Church. They won't act. They're very aware, DOJ and FBI, and a lot of probate theft and embezzlement. And proof of that is they did indict the CPA in my father's probate matter and convict him, but they didn't go after all the judges involved, nor the executor. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. And I have a lot of information on that. But that's our DOJ and FBI. So when they're going to lean on people who are truthers, however you want to say, and exposing crimes of this government, I say, bring it on. They, they booked me four times illegally. You know my story. And I'm, I just challenge them every step of the way I can, in person, by phone, by email. And now I'm on call-in. So I won't be oppressed, repressed, suppressed. They can arrest me again. I'm like, hey, let's see what that brings about. You know what I mean? That's the attitude. Mm -hmm. You got to be fearless. Yes. And, um, yeah, oh, totally, totally. Like I said, I never advocate violence. I'm just saying when the court start working for the country, the country can only head to one direction. It's called the violence. Every time. Yeah, well, I tried to, I'm sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah. It's called the revolution. Yeah. 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 Of course, I will give you some example. Okay. Uh, 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 again, uh, my rule is that one o'clock, I'm going to watch football games. So I'm going to talk okay. to one o'clock. So basically, it's this I mean, just for, for public information, right? Uh, like you have said, the, the crime may not be that significant, but the effort to cover up that crime can be very significant. That's applicable to work at, uh, Watergate. Right, and uh, that's applicable to so many national security operations. Like to me, is this: if the Iraq War is wrong because there's no WMD, why that Dick Cheney or Scott Libby, whatever that guy, want to disclose the CIA's uh, uh, identity? Be only because that CIA has come out to say there's no WMD. To me, the the, the, the act to cover up a crime is worse. The, uh, uh, another example, Watergate is one, right? The other, uh, the, this one is uh, uh, in what we, Iraq War. The Vietnam War, you know, when I listened to this the audio book, the Pentagon paper, I was just shocked that basically the author is saying, are saying that 
all these internal discussions has clearly indicated that it's not a winnable war. We're just going to be sending people to a meat grinder. And at what point you're saying your actions become a cover of a war that should never be started with? Again, these are all the what is it? The the national under the national security war consideration. Because to me, these decisions do have a real and specific material impact to to us, the people. So 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 that's something. I, I want to bring about. So, but still, I, I will say this: it's always the court who's supposed to be the gatekeeper of justice. When the court fails, the country is going to fail. And so, this show is not about some white people or white privilege. How the government is supposed to functioning, and and we don't want a standing army. The founding fathers said we don't want a standing army that can do anything. These are British armies that can do anything to the domestic inhabitants. Now we have a counterintelligence FBI, who pretty much can get away of doing anything. So that's something I want to see a change. And I, I only believe, I believe only the court can step in and say, well, that seems to be too too much. If you if you have a, such a national security emergency, you can declare martial law. Let Congress declare martial law. Under martial law, no courts is open for business. The military authority will decide every single thing. Uh, unless you declare the martial law, the court is a civil authority, representing the ultimate control by the civilian of all military and national security operations. So you all have to come through the court. So that's what I'm hoping for, right? So now with that, I thank you all for your contribution. It was a fun squad of a disinfo disinfo disinformation governance and, uh, and uh, hope to see you again in my next episode. All right, Peter? have a great rest of your weekend. Yes, I just want Amanda. To let yes. You know, I think it might be still um, game time when I, my show goes on um, today. But we're starting to work on. I'm going to be doing a show on um, the National Constitution Center's Constitutional Convention they did this summertime. So you might uh -huh. be you might want to just kind of keep an eye out for shows because um Andrew did a show on the Constitution yesterday and I, I think you might be interested in those shows. So sure, absolutely, absolutely, great. Thank you guys, and uh, I'll see you next time. Bye now. Hey, before you go, I just wanted to mention I posted links in the chat to those papers you were referencing. Anyone cool. To read them. Okay. Cool. Great. Thanks again. Have a great one. No problem.